שלום הרב לייטמן. Hello, Dr. Leitman. Hello, Oren. I want to talk to you about a few current events. Please. Mass shootings in the U.S. recently on the Independence Day celebrations in Chicago. Mass shooting, seven killed, dozens wounded. From the beginning of the year, there were more than 300 mass shootings already in the U.S. Mass meaning more than four. If you ask me, I'd put an end to it, once and for all. How? I'd collect all the weapons in the hands of the public. B. I'd prohibit selling weapons altogether. You go to prison for selling weapons. It's time to put an end to it. It won't help. Why? It won't help. Because it never helped. It's like with drugs. Anything that you want to stop and say... This I don't want for this to happen. You know, I'm part of the government, for example. It's impossible to do. Look, in the 20s in the U.S., there was the prohibition. You couldn't sell alcohol, so I'm not saying that it disappeared. But the, the government said, that's it, we're not selling alcohol. Today they can say, we don't want to sell weapons. How much more do they need to suffer? You can't compare the two. Because alcohol, then really, you have shops, centers, restaurants, you have places where they used to sell it. And once you prohibited it, that's it, no more. And if it exists someplace, you close the place down, and that's it. It was, you know, prohibition. Whereas with the weapons, you need to now get weapons out of the hands of 300 million people. That their weapons, I don't know, it's maybe they're close to I don't know how many. If you don't start, you'll never finish. You won't finish. I don't see that they get it. How much more, how many more mass shootings do they need? You think they don't know? So why aren't they doing nothing? Because probably, according to what they see and understand in the field, it's impossible. So what is the future of the U.S. to have a mass shooting there every day? Last year there were 700 events. This year, more than 300 already. Crazy numbers. I don't know. I'm not there. It's hard to say. I'm not justifying the shootings themselves, but it seems to me that probably does not worry them. How do you explain that in the U.S., the most developed country in the world, such things happen? That's clear, too. Because there are many people, each with his own opinion. There are big problems, serious gaps between the different levels, stratas. It worries many people. Brings them to the edge, and surely people disagree. So there is a potential of things heating up. Yes, how can you calm it down? You're saying it's impossible to prohibit sales. What what can what can you offer the U.S.? 
I would recommend, like I always say, education. Today there's no education there. Probably not enough. What would you add? I'd add education for closeness, for increasing the warmth and the relations between people. Many things. It's a long story. So tell it to me because these events, they're shocking. By the way, many times it happens at schools. Young students go into their school and spray everyone with bullets. I do not consider these facilities education facilities. You pin the label to them, it doesn't mean that these are educational facilities. They don't educate. They give children, teenagers, knowledge, not about life, but about science, things like that, but it's not education. It doesn't educate them. What is education? Education is actions that build the man, a human being. What do they do? They balance a person, shape him. He becomes a human being that out of a child grows a man, out of a girl grows a woman that know why, what for, that they don't have this. That they are the way they are now, but that they go through very unique states that that are current for our time, that several times a week they hear talks, lectures, then they need to write essays every week, essays, educational ones, and gradually by that, to invest a lot into it. The education budgets usually are the highest in a country. So again, maybe it's called budget, education budget, but it's not working toward education, for education. We need to examine why is it suddenly that we have more and more casualties. What can calm the erupting aggression in a person who goes out in a spree shooting everyone to fill the heads of the young with good and proper relations between them, which is what today they're filled with incorrect relations, principles. The principles need to be, they need to be filled with different principles than now. No one teaches people at school to go out and spray everyone with bullets, but the young go out and, you know, they shoot, mass shootings, many events. This isn't what they were taught at school. No, I'm not saying that. But on the other hand, we see that precisely in schools or when they come out of schools, that's what they do. What do you advise us to change for it not to happen? You're saying 
to fill them with values. Seemingly, values are given to them as is in school. Maybe you're talking about other values. Day in, day out, to give them a talk. And for them to write an essay about that talk immediately right after. Suppose I am talking to them for an hour about certain things in education, and then they write me a few pages about it. What would be the content of the talk? How does the police work? What is its role? What is the role of the citizens to work with the police? How do we keep law and order in society? How do we protect children, women, etc., etc.? But not to tell them about it, but to tell a bit and to allow them to write and argue and build relations. Let's plan such and such a different society and let's see, can it exist this way or not? Meaning to allow them to live this situation and what will that lead them to emotionally wise? It leads them to criticism. Our society what is it and how do we think it should be that will neutralize the erupting aggression in a person it's possible to neutralize aggression only with the help of the mind that the aggressor understands that by his aggression he can't correct things it's impossible it's impossible to correct these things with the help of an outbreak, of an eruption. Okay, moving on to our next topic. Rav Leitman, I have a joke. How do you squeeze money? How do you get money out of an orange? If there were money in an orange, then you could get money out of an orange. I'll tell it again. I don't know how to tell jokes. It's a problem, but still. How do you get money out of an orange? You open You squeeze it. Well, in Hebrew, it's a double meaning. It also means to extort. Why am I saying this? Recently, there was the International Joke Day, and I want to ask about humor, which is a central part of life. When I think about people who write humor, it drives me crazy. How do they get these ideas? It is a unique quality in a person that knows how to turn anything into humor. What kind of quality is it? It's a quality that he sees a thing and it's opposite. What he has like an inverted mind. Yeah, he also has the ability to see everything the other way around. There's an expression that laughter is good for your health and researchers show that it does. It makes people healthier. Why? 
because it relieves a person of inner tension. He's not in the problems of the world, his problems, but he rises above them. He nonetheless can determine what will happen, how will it happen, how to calm things down. If he moves away from it, then things are good for him, good for the world. That's good. What does Kabbalah say? Is Is there laughter, is there humor in Kabbalah? Yeah, a lot. What do we laugh about there? about a thing and its opposite. If you can bring something which is against the opposite of rationale of something, that brings laughter. Like it says that God laughs with us. And what about frivolity? No, no, humor or laughter isn't frivolity. Um, humor is something very serious. Laughter is something very serious. It's the ability to see the world inverted. It's an important ability? Extremely. Why? Because if I can reach a solution in a place where rationally there is no solution, that, that really leads to laughter. Thank you. Moving on to our next topic. New Israeli research found out that germs can cooperate against a predator that wants to swallow them, and together in a common effort, they can kill it. Research shows that germs, they each germ injects a small portion of poison, but altogether they can kill it. Where did these microscopical particles have the mind to do something like that from? It doesn't matter how big they are, but it depends on the recognition of evil. What do you mean? That they discover that there's an enemy against them. And then, in cooperation, they're willing to stop it. But how do they cooperate? They don't have intelligence. How do they reach this kind of harmony? They do. But they feel that he's against them, that he's threatening them. Then they do the math, what's left to do? To jump him and put all of our venom into him. In nature, there are different amazing cooperations, like a school of fish. Everyone moves together at the same time, without colliding. How is that? True, true. How does it work? We don't know. We don't know. There are those that say that... They have a common feeling. There are those that say that there's some kind of upper mind that controls them in a way that that's how they flow. In mutual consent. I don't know what to say. I think that all these things happen with the help of the upper mind that guides them. And they 
really only carry these actions out. Why does this upper mind, why can't this upper mind control us, people? We have free choice. We ourselves needs to, need to find how to guide ourselves according to the upper mind. I see people can't cooperate practically in nothing. Everyone has their own ego, interests. So we will need to come to the recognition of evil because we can't cooperate. And then we will discover that there is a higher mind that's willing to guide us. And we only need to relieve ourselves of this rubbish that we're as if guiding ourselves and to put ourselves into the hands of that upper force and we'll succeed. Where's that upper mind? It's here. It covers everything. Here where? It covers everything, bringing us results. The results we have in life. So why doesn't it work on us people? It does, only we don't want to see its actions. We don't want to put ourselves into the hands of the upper mind. Upper mind or upper force, it's the mind and force that act toward connecting everyone. They're the ones that connect the germs. Everywhere these forces want to build between all created beings, between all levels, a good good relations. That would allow the school of fish to move all together at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I want to bring that mind into my life, you need to devote yourself to the upper force to guide you, direct you in the right direction of good. What do I tell that upper force? that you want to be good toward others. Again, what I say, that you want to be good in the eyes of others. What does it mean to be good in the eyes of others? That you want to do good to everyone. Does it have to do with cooperation? To some extent, yes. But even without that, so what should I say? How to bring the upper mind into my life. That you want to be good to everyone. I'm saying this for the third or fourth time. Okay, moving on to our next topic. That's the problem. Let's move. President Biden's visit to the area is very exciting. We're very dependent on the U.S. Every time a U.S. president visits Israel, it's like the rich uncle from America came. Let's see what presents that he bring. But lately, there's a kind of feeling that the rich uncle became a bit weak. My question is, who will protect us? What's going to happen to us? I never believed in Biden. All the more in Obama. Or in general, in any one of the great people of the world. Because the heart of kings and ministers is in the hands of the Creator. 
meaning what? That above them, there is the upper force that sustains them and controls them. So what do we do? Just pray to the upper force? No, not to pray. We need to do what He demands of us, and then He will do what we need. As it says, make your desires like His, make your desire like His, so He will make His desire like yours. The upper force will protect us, for sure, because we're Jews and He has direct connection to us. Why is He not protecting us now? Because we're not aware of it, we don't know about it. We're not coming to Him in order to connect mutually. What does it mean to connect mutually and how is that related to Him? That I for my beloved one and my beloved one for me. Uh, What does that mean? That we need to feel that we are His people. And then He'll do what's good for us. You're talking about repenting? No. Then what are you talking about? We need to learn about that. It is especially to connect with one another in a good, nice connection. Today, the U.S. is the strongest power in the world, but is growing weak. Do you think that? What will happen in the future? Will it stay number one? No, of course, it'll weaken. So who should we connect to? With? To me? I don't understand. I'm not laughing. So I don't understand. Who should we connect with if the U.S. weakens? You have no one to connect with. Only to our Father in the Heaven. Our Father in the Heaven, these are slogans. It's not slogans. I'm telling you, without no slogans and nothing. I'm unrelated to any method besides one, which is connecting to one upper unique and unified force. That's it. This is what we need to connect to, demand of Him, and do what He tells us to. We're asking Him all the time. He who does peace in heaven will bring peace upon us. Probably this isn't what He wants from us. What does He want from us? Connection. Connection meaning what? Connection between us. That's what He wants. Can you explain? If we connect all Jews, well, not all, but we'll start the work of connecting. Then we will feel how he's coming closer. Coming closer, meaning protecting, protecting, concerned with everything. Better than the U.S.? How can you compare the upper force? that governs all of nature, the entire universe, and all the worlds with some Biden or whoever. Nothing to add. What I don't get is, if God wants to protect us, why doesn't He just protect us? He's waiting for an invitation. It's because we're not connecting and properly turning to Him. Okay. Moving on to our next topic. After a three-year break, the collider in Switzerland is becoming active again. It's with different features, new features, etc., etc. 
Researchers hope that it will allow us to discover new things in science and explain the processes that happen in the beginning of creation. Do you think that the collider will help us discover the secrets of creation? I don't think that these expensive toys are doing anything altogether. What do you mean? I don't think that they will help us solve the secrets of nature. Why? Because it's not in the same direction. What do you mean? That another particle and another particle and another frequency. This isn't where the force that governs nature is immersed. Where is this force? It is inside of nature. How do you discover it, if not by a collider? You discover it by coming closer to it, according to the law of equivalence of form. And what does this law say? That we need to have the same nature as he does, and then we'll better understand him gradually. When we say he, who do we mean? The inner force of all of nature is called God, the upper force. So what does it mean to come closer to him, have the same form as he does? What kind of form, shape does he have? This force has just one quality, to bring all of creation to balance is its goal. So how can we find, reveal, no, how about something else that you demand to know how? I want to know all secrets of creation. You're saying that the collider isn't the solution. Okay, what is? How can we find out what are the secrets of creation? We can know it, but in the inverted way. By studying the collider and things, it's not... We need to come closer to that force that that force is good and benevolent, and we need to have the same form too. If we'll be better, we'll know the secrets of creation. Yeah, we'll come closer to him. We'll start understanding what are his thoughts, actions, how does he look at creation, how does he act. From your actions, we get to know you. Most of the matter, well, most matter in creation is dark matter. Does Kabbalah say something about it? It's known that all the forces of nature are all in all in one force called Boe, Creator. The name of the Creator, Boe in Hebrew, consists out of two words, Boe, come and see. And we need to reach this force and study it. How can we do that? How can we come closer to Him? By coming closer to each other. And then, in our research, 
that we work on our relations, etc., etc. Through that, we can go into different forms of connection of matter, substance, lower than the human level. Man is an exalted being. What do we need to accelerate, if not particles? What do we need to accelerate in order to crack the secrets of creation? Man himself, his thoughts, desires, intentions. This is what we need to accelerate them in what direction? Toward each other, for people to connect, and then from the collision between them and the connection between them, between people. Between people. We will see how much they hate each other, but nonetheless come closer, collide and connect. From that, we will learn all the secrets of creation. How? You won't have to accelerate different particles there, collide them, and hit some target. But you'll be able to see it internally, emotionally, in an unlimited fashion between people. People are fighting as is today, too. They don't need to fight. They need to come closer to each other despite their ego that throws them out. This is what will make her smarter. Yeah. And will allow us to crack the secrets of the universe. Yeah. Let's try. What are we actually researching here? Our inner nature, the desire to receive that wants to only pull to itself any good thing and reject any bad one. And the desire to bestow that we don't have, but that we have its inverted form that I don't want to accept anyone, but if possible, then to use everyone else to my own benefit. It sounds like psychology or wisdom of relations between people. What does it have to do with the secrets of nature? That I don't get. But what do we have as a result of researching these particles? We want to understand how the universe was created. So each and every particle expresses a certain desire, a certain quality that exists in us. And people? Yeah. We and the particles are similar? I don't know. I have no idea. Who are we if not a collection of particles? Okay, moving on to our next topic. Salah al-Aruri, one of the Hamas leaders, said that Hamas is certain that the occupation will leave Palestine and all the Jewish institutions will crumble. He said that the weakest spot of Israel is the loss of inner faith and their ability to continue surviving. Where do they get the confidence from that they can throw us out of here? They have nothing to eat in Gaza. (laughs) 
That's how all those leaders talk. But were it not for Israel, they wouldn't have been organized. They'd have nothing. They'd be small groups that would have been all the time in strife with one another. Look, if I look at us, a friend of mine, with his wife and kids, left for Canada a few days ago. He told me, look, the situation here isn't that great. I see no future here. And he moved to Canada. What do you think? Is there a future in this place? Look, I came to Israel at the age of 27. And today I am 76. I was here all that time. I didn't really feel an inclination. Well, there were such thoughts to leave all this mess and everything and move. But really, I don't see, realistically either, in a rational way, that there's a point in moving to some other place. It's said that Israel, some say that the country is like uh, falling apart a bit. It's exploding of all those people that want to come here. No, I mean, in terms of society's resilience, it's like falling apart. It's felt. I don't see that things here are worse than in other countries. Like, you can't, you know, disregard the security issues that we're dealing with, that everyone wants to eat you from all sides. And if you go through different streets in the U.S. and in different cities, you don't feel the same. Maybe someone will go crazy, take out a gun, and will start spraying everyone. But there it's random. Here it's because you're a Jew. And there it's uh, directed differently. So what? I don't know. Don't think about it that way. I was abroad many times, and I feel it there. So what gives you hope here? That after all these calculations, there's no other place for me. As simple as that. No other place for me. Should it always be that way, that the situation in Israel will be bad? What is it? Our fate that will always need to send our children to the army. It's written. I hope that it's not going to be that way, but it depends on us. What exactly does it depend on? On the measure to which we prepare the soil for our children. I remember when I was a child, when you're going to be, when you're going to grow up, you won't need to go to the army. I just sent three of my boys to the army, meaning it's repeating itself all the time. We hope, but things aren't, you know, working out any better. So what could be the change? To have some security. You know, what are we asking for? To live peacefully, that's it. What does it depend on? It depends on us, on the measure to which we want peace. Shalom in Hebrew, coming from the word shlemut, wholeness and completion. 
between us and the upper force, to the measure to which we want to complete each other, choose accordingly, we will determine peace in Israel and in the rest of the world. It's like it depends on our desire, the Jews, and only. So what don't we want? You know, a Jew who doesn't want peace? No. I don't know a a Jew who wants peace. You don't know Jews who want peace? Yeah, what did they do for it? He went to the army. He doesn't understand what it means to make peace. To make peace means to come closer to all Jews and to convince them to come closer to each other. But I don't need peace with the Jews. I need peace with my enemies. No, no, it has nothing to do with one another. It's not important. If we will make peace between us, there will be peace in the world. How? Because we in our relations, determine our attitude toward the world. Suppose we Jews come a bit closer to each other in peace. What will that Hamas leader in Gaza say? He wants to come and live among us. He wants for us to get out of here. No, no, he'll want to. Why? Because we made peace between us, and this will flip his mind? Yeah. What is it, a kind of Jewish trick? Let's bet. What gives you the confidence? Because I know the laws of the world. Let's say what? That what we determine between us, this is what will happen in the rest of the world. Okay, thank you. Moving on to our next topic. Paul Bloom, Paul Bloom is a professor of psychology in America, and he says that if you want to live a meaningful life, you need to choose a life that has some suffering in it. He says that were we to live an ideal life, so to speak, that we'd get bored and lose meaning in a short period of time. But because of the failures, hardships, suffering, can you appreciate success and experience satisfaction and joy? When I heard these things, I personally, I don't relate to that. I don't want to suffer at all. It's true. He's 100% right. How? That it's impossible to live your life without mistakes, without harm, all these things, it's everything between good and bad, bad and good, but for there to be a bit more good than bad, we were born to suffer? No, but to enjoy, but to enjoy, this is something that you can do only if you also have some suffering. Why? Because otherwise, how will you feel that you're enjoying I just want to enjoy more and more and more. No, no. As it says, that the light excels the darkness. What do you mean? That if you don't feel that you're suffering, you also can't feel that you're getting pleasure. So suffering is endless. You need some suffering to to add it, like spices, like salt, like pepper, like spicy things, you need it. Okay, were I to manage suffering, I tell myself, okay, put a bit this here, a bit the, this there, but this isn't what my suffering comes from. It comes because life gives me slaps every time. It be, it's because you can't manage suffering. Is it possible to manage suffering? It is. Only you can't. How? 
How? And what does it mean? That you know where does the suffering come from, where does the joy come from, and that you manage both for them to be on the middle line, neither this nor that, but in between them. And then they work in mutual completion. I saw how you add your foods, so many things, and different spices, and this and that. I see how you eat. So the spice of suffering, what's the wisest way to manage it? That you feel that it's bitter, but you know that this bitterness is something you need in order to feel the sweetness. So who's in control of things here? You are. What gives me the power to rule? The wisdom, wisdom of life, of experience. What do I need to understand? That there needs to be balance. Seems to me like, well, the thing that bums me out the most is that life slaps me on the face. In order to teach you, what can you do? What does it want to teach me? That you, in the meantime, can't find the balance between the good and bad. I don't want that at all. You need to be engaged in the bad in order to bring it closer and include it in the good. Sounds like a kind of magic. What's the key? What's the suffering? That by identifying with the good and bad, by connecting the good and bad, it needs to be such that you will feel that there is no bad in reality, but that there is only good, and that you will connect to the bad as to the good, and that's how you reach completion and the wholeness and perfection of creation, the revelation of the Creator. Thank you very much, Dr. Leitman. Good luck to you. Amen. All the best. No. Can we do one last item? The director of NASA says that we have to be worried about China landing on the moon, saying this is ours, and you need to get out of here. Till 2035, he thinks that China might build its permanent settlement on the moon and will declare the moon as Chinese territory. When I heard it, I told myself, isn't it enough the ego games, power struggles that we have on Earth, we're going to fight on the moon too? No, but there's some kind of uh, agreement in relation to space that there's no such thing. I don't know, suppose. And so are we such? <laughs> it's better that they argue there, obviously. But what makes us this way? It's our ego. It's unbounded. Unbounded. It needs it. What does man's ego want? Mine, 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 mine. What does it give? Mine. But you're not alone in the world. There's someone next to you who says, mine, mine, too. That's the problem. Were I alone, I wouldn't be concerned with it being mine. That, that Then for sure it's mine. Is there someone else? No. But because there are others like me, then I want for it to be mine. Will there never be an end to wars, struggles? There will. But on condition. What condition? On condition 
that we will want to determine that connection is better than separation, that love is more important than hate. But mine, that's the most important thing. Ah, mine. So what about mine? There is no mine. What is there? There's no mine, no yours, no nothing. It's ours. Ours, like a kibbutz. The kibbutz is is a model that didn't work out. It's not that it failed. It's the corrupted human nature that failed. Corrupted human nature is what failed, but not that the kibbutz has failed. So is it possible to make human nature more corrected? Yes, and the kibbutzes will make a comeback. What is a corrected person? That he wants to be with everyone together, and it will give him what? A feeling that he's unlimited. No one's limiting him. Everyone's sitting on your head. To the contrary, it's all yours. Depends on how you look at it. Thank you very much, Dr. Leitman. That's it? Thank you. That's it for today.